Can you open your Bible, please, to Acts chapter 12? And uh, let's pray. Uh, Lord, we do thank you uh, for this time that you've given to us. Uh, We do thank you for your word and that you have uh, spoken to us and that it has been uh, preserved that we can be very confident that what we have written before us uh, is from you. Father, thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit uh, that you've granted to us, and we do pray that we would uh, understand uh, this portion of Scripture uh, through his uh, illuminating work. And then, Lord, please grant to us the grace that we need uh, to apply uh, the lessons from your word. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. In most families or friend circles, there occasionally comes a time when we reminisce on humorous events of the past, and often they're embarrassing for at least one person. You're sitting around the dining room table, and it usually starts with this phrase, do you remember the time that, and the story is told, and there's often rapturous laughter, and often there is one family member who's quite embarrassed because the story's about them, or they're quite frustrated because nobody will ever let the story go. Now, I know in my family, a lot of the stories center around what the dogs have done. And the dog, when I was a kid, he was a Labrador, gold in color. He was a big dog, and uh, his kryptonite was food. Okay, he loved food. And he had a knack of getting out and returning home with food. Um, He brought home salad rolls, cream buns, hamburgers, hot chips, and probably the funniest one, um, one day he returned with a massive flathead, which is a fish, and I was jealous because I couldn't catch one that big, and obviously someone had caught this fish, but uh, old Rover had snitched it before they had the chance to cook it and eat it, and uh, my poor old dad, one of my dad's pet hates is theft, he hates stealing, and he was quite upset that his beloved dog had stealing habits. So dog stories and then embarrassing stories about my sister that I love to tell often get shared around our dining room table. So embarrassing and humorous stories that often start like, do you remember that time? I think our text is one such story. Do you remember that time when they were praying for Peter to be spared and then they didn't believe that he had been spared, even though he's outside the gate of their home, he's knocking loudly. And then Rhoda came out to check the gates and she was so excited that it was Peter that she forgot to let him in. And then she runs back to the prayer meeting and they didn't believe her. This must have been met with much laughter as it circulated. And even now, it's not hard to see the humor in this scene. And yet this particular account has much to teach us about prayer. And there's one main lesson from Rhoda that I want us to ponder. So what does this text, and what does Rhoda particularly have to teach you and I about prayer? That is going to be the focus of this sermon. In Acts chapter 12, the persecution of the church, it it ramps up. It's taken to a new level. And the chief protagonist is Herod. Okay, this is Herod Agrippa I. He was the grandson of Herod the Great, who was the ruler when Christ was born. 
And Herod Agrippa I was actually quite popular amongst the Jewish people. And in order to both maintain and to grow his popularity, he went about harming the church. Because he knew the religious leaders were opposed to the church. So in order to gain further favor and approval of the people, Herod attacked the church. If you look at verse 3, it says, and because he saw it pleased the people. Okay, this was his motive. He had been hooked by the deadly bait of pleasing men. And as has been proven time and time again throughout history, once you're hooked, you will go to great extremes to keep people happy. In this case, even kill. In verse 2, James, the brother of John, one of the disciples, is executed at Herod's commands. And seeing that this caused his popularity to soar, Herod decided, well, hey, let's go after someone else. Let's go after another big fish in the early church, none other than Peter. So he had Peter arrested. He intended to have him executed. But he wanted to wait until after Passover. He is respectful of Jewish custom. But this was a very hostile and volatile period for the early church. So at this point in time, a battle is raging. And on the one side, we, we have the world. The other side is the church. Okay, on one side, we have the authority of Herod's. And he's yielding the power of prison and power of the sword. But on the other side, the church turned to prayer. This was the weapon that it yielded. This was all they had. But what a mighty weapon to yield. And I want us to consider the positive response and the negative response of the people as they prayed. And we will learn some lessons about prayer, particularly from this young lady, Rhoda. So firstly, let's see the positive response. You know, what we do or who we turn to when things get tough in our life, that says a lot about us. It reveals our coping mechanisms and who we truly trust. Now, when the church endured this intense persecution, how did they respond? They prayed. This was their go-to when things went bad. Now, sure, we shouldn't only pray when things are bad, but this is a positive response to the trials and troubles of life. Okay, when they come, when the storms of life are all around us, okay, the lightning is hitting awfully close, the wind is blowing a gale, the rain is torrential, it feels like the roof of our life, it's about to be ripped off. When we are there as Christians, we need to pray, pray, pray. That's the right response. And I wonder how often we fail to pray. And when we fail to pray, understand this reveals much self-sufficiency in our life. It declares, you know, Lord, it's okay. I've got this under control. I know what I'm going to do. You know, a lack of prayer is a cl clear indicator of many unhealthy and destructive attitudes. And we would do well to model the early church when the trials and troubles come in our life. Okay, trials and troubles should drive us to our knees. Okay, this is one of the gracious intentions of the hard things in our life that God permits to come our way. Okay, they're meant to drive us to him. They're meant to rip out the weeds of self-reliance. And this certainly happened with the early church. Notice in verse 5. It says, Peter therefore was kept in prison, 
So Herod had arrested one of the key leaders and preachers in the early church. He intended to publicly execute him, just like James. How would they respond? The verse continues, But prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. So they gathered and they prayed. That was their natural reaction. And verse 12 reveals some of the specifics. We're told they gathered in the house of Mary. She was John Mark's mother. And it's evident she was a lady of means. Okay? She was quite well off since she owned a house large enough to host this prayer meeting. Now understand, they couldn't meet in the temple due to the Jewish hostility. So it was here where they gathered. And they sought the Lord for the sake of Peter. Okay, that they're interceding for Peter. Okay, and this was a positive response. That this is the correct response to the situation that they found themselves in. Okay, they came to the Lord. That they called a prayer meeting. And they poured out their hearts before the Lord. And I want to point out four things about prayer from this positive response. Okay, number one. We pray to God. Now, I know that's stating the obvious. Oh, well, thanks, Brendan. We pray to God. But verse 5 does make it clear that they prayed unto God. Okay, it's only to God that we pray. Okay, no one else has prayed to. Our prayers are to be addressed to God. But we can often miss the beauty of the obvious. I want you to think about that. It is to God that we pray. That's amazing. You and I, we can commune with God. We can come into his presence. We have an audience with the Lord. You know, imagine if you or I got to speak to a powerful world leader. Okay, we had an audience with them. That would be a wonderful privilege. But how much greater is the privilege of direct access to God? And my friend, this is ours because of the Lord Jesus Christ. If you are a Christian. Ephesians 2.18 tells us, for through him, that's Christ, we both have access by one spirit unto the Father. Okay, so Jesus has opened the doors to the heavenly palace, if you like, and we can come before the throne of God. And we have that access because we're clothed in the righteousness of Christ. My friend, that's amazing. And that's one of the many privileges and blessings of being a Christian. But if you're not a Christian, this is one of the many things that you are missing out on. You don't have direct access to God like the Christian. And hence I ask you, why not come to Christ? Well, how do I come to Christ? We come to Christ by repenting of your sin and placing your faith and trust in Jesus Christ and his finished work on the cross. That is the way to be saved. That's the way to be forgiven. That's the way to have access to God. Okay, many other blessings of being a Christian and prayer is one of them. And for the Christian, how amazing that you and I, we have an audience with God. We, we can come into his presence. We can come into his presence at any time, at any place, and we can commune with him. We, we can bring him our needs. We, we can bring him okay, all of the trials and troubles of our life. This is our privilege. And prayer will not be a tedious duty if we grasp what an esteemed privilege it really is. 
We have access to God. The second thing we learn about prayer is that they prayed together. Now, prayer is something that we should do individually. Okay? As Christians, we should be praying every day. And I hope that's the practice in your life. Because if we don't pray, it's a bit like a marriage where they never talk. Okay? The, the relationship will not be in a good condition. And if you're not praying, that reveals that you're spiritually sick. But prayer is not just an individual practice. We are also to pray together. We refer to it as corporate prayer. And this is what the church did when they were faced with persecution. If you look at verse 12, it says, Many were gathered together to pray. So there was a large group gathered in this home to pray. And my friend, we need to be praying together. Corporate prayer is essential in a healthy church. Now, when we think about praying together, when we think about corporate prayer, the benefit is not quantity. And this is what I mean. You know, sometimes we can think, well, one prayer is good. Two prayers is better. Imagine if we could get ten. And we view it like we need to have so many signatures on the petition, like we're lobbying our parliament before God will pay attention. But that's not the case. Okay, that's not Christian. But rather the value of corporate prayer is that the minds and the hearts of God's people, they're brought together. Okay, that they're unified. Praying together binds together. It strengthens the cords of fellowship, love and unity. Now, a question I have is, do you see the importance of corporate prayer? You know, we have a prayer meeting on site. We have another one online. And it would be wonderful if more of us could be involved. Now, I understand people are very busy. Some people don't get home until really late. Some can't drive at night. Some have little kids. They can't make it. Some others have health issues. I'm very understanding of all of that. But please just allow me to be blunt and direct just for a moment. I do think more people could make it if it was higher on the priority list. But if you can't make it, okay, try and gather with some others who are available at a different time and pray with them. Okay, it will do you much good. It will do them much good. It will do our church much good. We need to prioritize corporate prayer. Okay, the third thing we learn from this positive response is that the prayer mattered. Okay, the prayer mattered. You know, when prayer gets discussed, a common dilemma can often be presented. Something like this. What's the point of prayer? Okay, if God knows what's going to happen, why bother about prayer? Wouldn't have God just freed Peter, even if they didn't pray? Okay, has that ever crossed your mind or has someone ever posed that question to you? you know, we could spend a whole sermon unpacking this point. I want to share just four brief points. Okay, number one, prayer is more than asking for stuff. Okay, prayer is more than asking for stuff. Okay, we need to understand that when we pray, it's not just bringing our Christmas list to God and wanting him to do everything for us. Okay, but prayer, it's about fellowship, it's about relationship, it's giving thanks to God, it's praising the Lord. So, so we do need to pray for, for many reasons. Okay, so this helps to answer the question of why bother to pray. 
Number two, prayer does the individual much good. Okay, praying to God is a means of grace that's used to shape, mold, and change you. Okay, it's good for you to pray. And hence, this is another reason why we should do it. Okay, this helps to answer the question of why bother to pray. Number three, very simply, God has commanded us to pray. Okay, there are many commands throughout the Bible to pray. Since God commands it, we should do it. Okay, we're commanded, pray without ceasing. 1 Thessalonians 5, 17. And number four, God has ordained the means along with the end. You know, you and I, we would believe that God is sovereign. Okay, God's ruling, God is reigning, and in his providence, he brings things to pass. Okay, but not only does he determine what he will bring to pass, but he determines how it will be brought to pass. That is the means. Okay, and he often determines that the means is prayer. So he determines that something will happen through the channel of prayer. So in his providence, he brings about the end or the answer, but also how it will be brought to pass. And often the channel is prayer. So here, God determines, I'm going to free Peter. He's going to be freed. How is this going to happen? Well, it's through the prayers of the people. Okay, God ordains both the means and the end. And hence, prayer matters. Okay, and the fourth thing that we learn Okay, this is the next point. That was a sub point four. Sorry, that's confusing. But the fourth thing that we learn is that prayer is not always answered positively from our perspective. Okay, prayer is not always answered positively from our perspective. You know, as we'll see that the answer for Peter's release was answered affirmatively. Okay, Peter was miraculously freed. But it's important to view this in light of verse two. Okay, what, what happened there? James lost his head. Okay, Peter was spared, James wasn't. Now, are we to think that nobody at all prayed for James? Highly unlikely. But rather, we need to view these two things together. God does not always answer our prayers in the way that we assume they should be answered. Okay, from our perspective, the answer may not always be positive. But God sees and God knows much more than us and he's working all things together according to his plan all for his glory so my friend we see from the text okay that the positive response they prayed and they prayed and they prayed and when the trials and troubles in life come this is the right response pray but as christians we need to be people of prayer every day this needs to characterize us we need to be men and women of prayer and understand, okay, Jesus has given us the wonderful privilege of direct access to God. And may we be making the most of this glorious privilege. So having considered the positive response, let's now turn our attention to the negative response. And it's here where Rhoda shines brightly. Now, a group had gathered in the house of Mary for a prayer meeting for the imprisoned Peter. And no doubt this was a very emotional prayer time. Peter's preaching had been influential. Many of them would have been converted under his preaching. They loved and cherished him. 
and yet he was imprisoned. And it seemed only a matter of time before he would be executed, especially since James had just met this plight. And perhaps many of them had James's execution at the forefront of their minds, and they knew that Peter could be next. And then who knows what could possibly happen. So no doubt that these prayers, they would have been intense, that they would have been sincere. You know, one after another sought the Lord, pleading for Peter, no, no doubt praying for his current well-being. Lord, please strengthen, please comfort him as he rattles in the shackles in that prison. Other people would have prayed, Lord, please work in the heart of Herod. Please move him. Now, may he release Peter. Others would have prayed that if Peter would be executed, Lord, please use this for the spread of the gospel. No doubt many tears were shed that this would have been an incredibly emotional prayer meeting. Okay? And they're praying well into the night. Perhaps the intention was to pray all night. But at some late hour, there was a knock at the gate. Now, perhaps Mary thought, hey, that's a little strange don't normally get visitors this time of night you know perhaps it's somebody arriving late for the prayer meeting so she sent Rhoda Rhoda was the maid and she went out to check the gates now as she left the room where they were praying she made her way out to the knocking gates and she heard the one at the gate talking now perhaps he was saying you know hello let me in is anyone home and it was a voice she had heard before she identified it instantly. Okay, verse 14, she knew it was Peter's voice. It's like, wow, Peter was at the gates. And just when you would expect her to open the gate and let him in, okay, here he was knocking, here he was calling out. But young Rhoda, she's so excited, instead of letting him in, she goes running back inside. She had to let everyone know. Now try and picture her bursting into a prayer meeting and yelling out, guys, Peter's here. Peter's here. Peter's at the gates. And you would expect the people to be super excited, wouldn't you? Okay, God has answered our prayer. Praise the Lord. But that was not the response. In fact, they were very negative. You know, here was Rhoda, super excited. She was thrilled that Peter was back. She was thrilled that the Lord had answered the prayer, but nobody believed her. Rhoda was accused of being mad. Verse 15, Rhoda, you're going crazy. It's late. You should, you should go and get some sleep. But, but she insisted again and again, no, 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 Peter is at the gate. So this time they dismissed it in a different way. Verse 15 said it must be his angel. And this could mean one of two things. It could be referring to his guardian angel. Okay, the Jews believed that everybody had a guardian angel. Or it could mean that Peter sent a messenger to them. Okay, but either way, they still didn't believe her. And can you see the irony of the situation? Okay, Rhoda's burst in and they're telling her, settle down. Be quiet. We need to pray for Peter. Peter's in danger. Peter's in prison. All the while, Peter is knocking at the gates. And eventually the gate was opened and there stood Peter. And no doubt the people were joyous, but I think some of them must have been slightly embarrassed. 
They were praying, but didn't think that God would have answered the prayer like this. It was unexpected, and they didn't believe Rhoda. This young maid was the only one who believed that the Lord had answered the prayer in this way. Was the rest of them who were praying responded very poorly. And here's the lesson for us. Okay, here were these Christians. Even while they prayed for Peter, they found it hard to believe that God had answered their prayer. Okay, that they were praying fervently. They were praying persistently for Peter's deliverance. That there's so much going on here that's right. And yet they didn't believe the young maid when she told them that their prayers had been answered. Okay, that their, pra- their praying was earnest, but their faith was very underwhelming. And it was only Rhoda who believed that God had answered the prayer. Okay, she had greater faith than everyone else in that prayer meeting. She was so overjoyed that, that she ran back without opening the gates, showing how ready she was to believe that the prayers of the church had been answered. So who are we more like? We like Rhoda, having this joyful confidence that God can and will answer our prayers. Or are we more like those in the prayer meeting? We may pray fervently, but often our faith is quite underwhelming. Do we really believe that God will answer our prayers? Or are we filled with doubt? You know, if you're struggling to pray... If this is something that you you really battle with trying to make this a regular part of your life, there's a fair chance that one cause is that you doubt that God will answer your prayers. And this leads to a question. How can we grow our faith and confidence in God answering our prayers? How can we grow our faith and confidence in God answering our prayers? Number one. Know God. Okay, the more you know God, the greater confidence you will have in him. You know, I know my dad better than you do. I have more confidence in my dad than you do. I trust my dad with my life because I know him better. And my friend, the more you know God personally and experientially, the greater your faith will be. And we get to know God through the scriptures primarily. And if we aren't in the word, if we aren't growing in our knowledge and understanding of who God is, then don't be surprised if you lack faith in God's ability to answer your prayer. Number two, pray for it. That's ironic, isn't it? Pray for it. Lord, please grow my faith in your ability to answer my prayer. Lord, help my unbelief. The disciples asked Jesus in Luke 17, 5, Lord, increase our faith. We all need to pray that prayer. Number three, deal with sin. If we harbor sin in our lives, God won't answer our prayers. The psalmist says, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. If God is not hearing, then what does that do to our confidence in prayer? It's going to smash it to pieces. So confess your sin because unconfessed sin always results in us doubting and questioning God. Number four, a correct perspective. Just because things didn't happen how you wanted them to, doesn't mean God didn't answer the prayer. 
We need to remember that you and I, we are to pray according to God's will, not our own. That is how Jesus taught us to pray. And just because things don't happen how we thought or how we imagined or how we expected doesn't mean that God didn't answer the prayer. And number five, acknowledge and share answered prayers. You know, I wonder how many times God does answer our prayers, but we miss it or we fail to acknowledge it. You know, you and I, we need to be diligent in documenting answered prayer. Praise the Lord for it and then share the answers to prayer with others. Notice this is what Peter tells them to do in verse 17. Go and tell others how the Lord has brought me out of prison. Okay, this is vital in growing your confidence in prayer. Acknowledge when prayers are answered and then share it with others. And this will grow your confidence and it will grow theirs. So may the Lord help us. May, it, may our confidence in prayer be growing and increasing. May you and I believe that the Lord answers prayers just like Rhoda did. But do you know what the blessing of the text is? Is that despite their lack of faith, God still answered their prayer. And that's how great our God is. But may we be men and women who believe in the power of prayer. Because if we believe in it, we will certainly do it. And prayer will become something that we love and adore. It will not just be some burdensome duty, but one of the great privileges and blessings of our life. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you for the wonderful blessing that is prayer. And our Lord, you know where each of us are at. Uh, when it comes to our, our own uh, personal prayer lives. And anyone here that's honest would admit they could improve. Uh, so please help us uh, to be men and women of prayer. Lord, help us to prioritize both individual prayer uh, and corporate prayer and help us to believe uh, in the power of prayer. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.